Hey, YouTube theologians, live from the live, it's recorded. Recorded from Higher Things in San Antonio, I got to talk with Pastor James Neuendorf, missionary down in Puerto Rico, who's doing a lot of work on artificial intelligence, truth, and the church. I think you're really going to love this conversation. It was uh, it was enlightening to me also to see the and the biblical points of comparison where he points to the scriptures for uh, what to give us wisdom, and that the the opposite of artificial intelligence is not like authentic intelligence, but it is true wisdom. That's what we are after and where to find refuge from all of the chaos in the Lord's church. It was great. Uh, so here's a conversation. Hope you enjoy it. If you have questions or comments, that would be great to put in uh, below. Uh, and if you're not subscribed for some reason, then you can subscribe to the channel. These videos as they come out, uh, that'll be greater to the podcast. And likewise, you can get all these videos. So, uh, so here it is. Hey, YouTube theologians, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller here. Welcome uh, to this conversation about truth and artificial intelligence and the mission work of the church and how we live as people of truth uh, in the midst of, well, really good and sophisticated lies. For that conversation, I'm joined by Pastor James Neuendorf, who is a missionary at the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, serving in Puerto Rico. Welcome, James. How are you? Good. How are you? It's a little good. hot here, but I hear it's that way everywhere. <laughs> It's it's a hundred and six here in San Antonio today. I'm at a Higher Things retreat, so uh, but it's yeah. a dry heat, you know. So, uh, tell us about your work in Puerto Rico, real quick, and how people can, if they're in Puerto Rico, which is what we hope a lot of Puerto Ricans are watching, they can reach out and say, "Hey, I didn't know you guys were here." Let's uh, yeah. So LCMS has three congregations right now in Puerto Rico. One of them's brand new. Uh, I think what two months now uh, since Easter. We, we had our first service in San Juan and Easter, but we've got three congregations in the three biggest cities. Uh, Mayaguez is where we, we first started. That's on the, on the west coast of the island. It's kind of the, the more beach part of the, of the island. Um, in Ponce in the south, which is where I am, that's the second largest city. And we've had a congregation going here now for, gosh, a couple of years now. Uh, I think going on five years since we planted the church here and it continues to grow. And then on the north uh, coast in San Juan, the capital, uh, we just planted this brand new congregation like we were talking about. We've got a couple families there. Uh, people excited. I'm sure they'll be watching this. Uh, excited to hear a shout out for Cordero de Dios, uh, the fantastic. new congregation there. So the idea is we want to have a confessional voice for the Lutheran Church accessible to anyone on the island within a one-hour drive. That's our big push right now is to get to that, that radius where, where anybody who's interested uh, is able to to come to one of our congregations and receive all the Lord's gifts uh, that he gives us in, in all of its truth, like we'll be talking about today. How did you get interested in investigating artificial intelligence? Uh, it's, it's an interesting topic um, that we're all kind of going through a lot right now, but we got a head start because a lot of what we deal with in Puerto Rico is this idea of isolation uh, trying to understand what's going on outside. Um, Puerto Rico has this, this. Uh, I think it's a marketing slogan that, that became kind of a motto, uh, that it's the island of enchantment. And we, we joke around a lot about this idea of it. Well, it's just the enchantment. But I'm uh, thinking a lot about this idea of enchantment, which is a sort of a functional lie uh, that you tell, right? That, that something is said with words, and then uh, it just kind of, works. It becomes a reality in some way. And a lot of things here in Puerto Rico are kind of set up that way where 
Uh, it'll have the name of something, but it, you'll find out whether it exists or not. Uh, you can use Google Maps, but it might be a one-way street, <laughs> and Google could be wrong. Uh, and so the, we're always kind of dealing with a little bit of that. How do you know whether something is is true? And of course, as technology has been advancing, we've been we've been seeing all this stuff about deep fakes now, and about uh, you know we've got ChatGPT, we've got all these all these artificial intelligence agents, and you you start to get the sense that almost everything is fake now. Everything everywhere that we go is fake. And how do we ground ourselves um, in what is real? And, and one of the effects that we've seen happening in Puerto Rico with, with a lot of this confusion uh, has been a severe mental health crisis here. Uh, people don't have a, a, a thing to ground themselves into. Um, people believe lies about themselves. They believe lies about uh, God, right? What, what God thinks of them. Um, and a sort of general apathy or fatalism about whether or not we can even know the truth, whether it's possible to even know the truth at all. Uh, the enchantment runs everything, right? So it's, it's something that's been kind of percolating a lot. We've been thinking about it, and uh, now I'm studying it because this is like a big thing that we're seeing happen uh, across the board. There's a lot of paths there to I, I just maybe a couple more by way of introduction. You mentioned the the kind of the deep fakes. If someone's like, well, what, what are you talking about? What are the best examples that you have? Yeah, so a, a deep fake is a computer generated image that takes the facial structure of one person and, and maps it onto someone else. Uh, and for a while, they kind of people have everybody has those like Facebook filters. So you know how you'll have a Facebook filter that'll put like a little mask on your face and it'll track with your eyes. Um, the more sophisticated versions of that can actually take someone else's face and map it on onto your face and onto your expressions. And they're getting very good. So a couple of years ago, they were kind of creepy looking, but now. Uh, you can have videos of celebrities speaking, uh, and the voice is completely computer-generated, sounds exactly like the person. Uh, the face is completely computer-generated, um, but it looks like a real, a real video. Um, deep faking goes back a little longer, but now the, the technology is at the point where it's also able to, to generate wholesale images. There was, a, there was a really popular one going around not too long ago of the Pope wearing the, this like white ghetto coat. I don't know if you saw that. I saw that the puffy jacket. Yeah. yeah. And it's completely generated uh, from nothing from, from a noise pattern. Um, someone just types in, you know, Pope Francis wearing this jacket and it, and it creates it, which is everyone's having a lot of fun with it. But now the question is, <laughs> how do I know we used to be able to just say seeing is believing. It was never true, but now it's especially never true. I yeah. heard just on the news, I think yesterday about there was a political ad and it took a quote from President Trump and it used an AI generated voice to give the audio clip. So it sounded like Trump said it. He yep. didn't say it. He tweeted it, but they, they needed the audio for the, for the, so, and 
it's like, well, what do you do with that? There's no way to actually know that that's not something that he said. Um, yeah, and this is something, one of the things that got me really thinking about it as a missionary, we've been gone from the United States now for 15 years. Uh, we've been out in the, in the Latin America field. And it did kind of strike me like we have a different relationship with the news uh, that comes from the United States when we're, when we're out here. Um, we, I have the Internet, right? I can get the same news as everyone else, but it somehow feels a little bit less immediate or real. Uh, it's harder to verify. And so there's a, we had a joke back in 2020. 2020, of course, was a terrible year for everybody, but here in Puerto Rico, it was really bad because it started uh, very five days into the new year. We had a major earthquake here, um, you know, huge catastrophe and a lot, of, a lot of great opportunities for outreach and ministry and caring for the community. But then the pandemic happens, everybody's locked in their houses, and we had the most active hurricane season we had ever had, just one after another, after another, after another. So we started joking about this thing that we called Hurricane Halloween. And the idea was, what if just a few days before the election in the United States, we had one of those big hurricanes that wipes out our, our phones, electricity, because uh, with Hurricane Maria, some people were without power for six, seven months. So, you know, imagine that, that we get completely wiped out and then no one ever reaches out to us, right? It's like November 30th and we, we try to connect to the internet. There's still no one there. And, you know, so we were joking around this like ghost story. But it's the realization that we're on an island and how would we know what, what happens over there, right? The, with the election and all the, the chaos at the time. The only way we know is through these, these mediated things. Right? I can call my parents and say, hey, does the United States still exist, <laughs> right? But from that isolated perspective, you, you start to ask yourself, how could I verify if something were true or not? And it kind of leads to a fatalism at a certain point where we say, well, I, I simply can't. Give us some... What, here at the outset, some sort of biblical handles. Like, so, so what do you, what Bible verses do you think apply to this kind of epistemological crisis that we're in? And like, how do I know what's true and what's not? And how do I, when everything is being fed to me via the algorithm or whatever, and and the capacity exists to to deceive my eyes and my ears. So all the all the things that were familiar, to, ways to verify. Um, yeah, what Bible verses uh, do you think help most help us with the categories to think about these things? Yeah, so I I think the central one is of course your your VDMA uh, Lutheran battle cry, right? The word of the Lord endures forever from Isaiah. Um, is that 40 or 41? I always, I always get it wrong <laughs> every time. Read them both. Read both Isaiah 40 and 41. I think 41. it's Isaiah 40, but now you've got me. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, verify while you It's keep like talking. a Murphy's Law. If, if I say 40, it's 41. And if I say 41, it's 40. Um, yeah, I think it is 40. Uh, but the word of the Lord endures forever in its context. 
you have the flowers fading and and the the grass withering and you have this contrast between the word of god and and the hebrew there is so beautiful is standing forever right it's it's olam olam it's always there standing uh against this sort of lies and and falsehood of man man can speak man can put a lot of words out but there's this fundamental difference between god's word and our word in which god's word creates reality it makes reality let there be light and there is light and man's word is almost always some form of a lie right until we use the word amen it it's always some level of a distortion of the truth uh, and god's word is truth so of course you've got you know psalm 119 there's there's lots of lots of places that we could explore that but i i think i would start right there with with the word of the lord endures forever in contrast to the the chattering of of the the world right everybody has something to say um the other place i would go is the tower of babel uh, when I'm thinking about this technologically and what it was that the people were building. Uh, I love the detail that they're, what they're building is a name for themselves, not a tower. And what they get is nonsense. They get their name scrambled. We don't know what they, what they really wanted to call it. <laughs> it's called Babel. It's called gibberish. Uh, and God, God confuses their language uh, precisely when they hope to be really talked about through it, right? Um, there's a lot of parallels with, with everything with AI stuff right now and, and Babel. See, I want to dig into that a little bit because I was I was reading um, hmm, Johann Hamann, who was talking about how both the flood and uh, the Tower of Babel were God's kind of you know how when you're running on the treadmill, this is not Hamid's example. I don't think he had treadmills back then, but no. you have that little like emergency stop. You're supposed to buckle to the belt. So if you stop, if you fall, it, it's like the automatic sh- yeah. shut off that the flood and the Babel were like the automatic shut off. Like humanity was on a, on a path to destroy itself. Yeah. It's mercy. So the Lord, yeah, the Lord in his mercy just boom, started over. Let's just hit the stop, hit the reset button here. Uh, to prevent us from destroying ourselves. So, um, you could add Eden to that, really. Yeah. I mean, t- taking from the tree of life in the in the state of sin, right? Right. It's God's mercy that that closes them off from the tree of life. We always jump but, to that being law, but it's actually gospel. Well, that's right, because He wants us back at the tree of life, but not mm-hmm. trapped in our sin. He wants us right. back at the tree covered in His righteousness, and that's the idea of Babel. He'll He'll give us a name. That's what he does with the Eighth Commandment. He gives yeah. us to honor each other's name, but it has to be after we honor his name. So it's in the right, right proportion. Right. But yeah. so so that Babel, here's maybe what I would, and this is maybe getting to the punchline already, but Babel, we worry that we're going to end the world, right? We worry that we're going to create an AI bot that's going to take right. over or whatever. And we forget Babel that the Lord will prevent these things from coming about. The world won't end until the Lord wants it to end. And humanity won't destroy itself until the Lord uh, comes in glory for judgment. That So now that doesn't mean that, I mean, Babel was very unpleasant and right. so was the flood. So the, it might be the Lord's stop gaps are very, very painful, which we would like to avoid if we could. But 
we we cannot be fatalistic if we're Christians. We know that the Lord holds the times in His hands. Yeah, there's a lot of talk going around about uh, you know the this is the Antichrist, and there's a lot of fear mongering too. Um, and I think one of the really helpful things to think about as as we help people deal with the arrival of of these systems, AI, and everything else, is that they are trying to build a god. Uh, they they say it explicitly. We are building a god. And it really? will. That's, where do you? The, yeah, tell me. There, uh, the Church of AI dot org or dot com, I think. Um, they're, they're talking about it. All if you the Silicon Valley, um, bros, whatever you want to call them, uh, they are speaking this way. Uh, you can imagine, it basically, a full uh, return to a temple and an all-knowing thing that they're going to feed and they're going to build it up to be a speaking God. I mean, they're talking about them as gods, that they're making something greater than themselves, right? An intelligence greater than themselves. But the thing that we need to remember is that's impossible. You cannot build a God, uh, but you can build a false God, right? And they will build a false God. And we know what false gods do. They promise you things, but they give you something very different than what they promised. Um, the, the people who built Babel wanted a name for themselves. In fact, it was kind of an interesting historical detail. I read that the Babylonians, they'd stamp the name of the king in every single brick so that literally his name was being built up brick by brick. Um, so they want to build this name for themselves, but it's, it's just nonsense is what they get out of the system. And in some ways, you can see already from the beginning, as, as we're starting to achieve these amazing things with AI, the, the result is going to be nonsense. It's going to break computers uh, as we know them. There's a great book by Luis Borges. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Library of Babel. It's a really interesting. It's a short story. Uh, it's in English. It was originally in Spanish. And he, it's sort of a fantastical story where he talks about this library that is composed of all combinations of letters that are possible within like an 800-page book. And he sets like the rules of, you know, whatever. So, so you'll have millions of books that are just A, 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 B. And then another one that'll be A, 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 you know, you get it. And because it contains all possible combinations of letters... In this library, it also contains real books, every book that's ever been written or that ever could be written within this space, right? So he envisions this idea of this library, and then he starts to talk about how it drives everyone insane because you know that in the library exists uh, the, the book that tells how you're going to die. So you're trying to find it, trying to find it. The problem is there are an almost infinite number of books that look like that book but are wrong, right? Because it's every combination of every letter. And so the people who are looking for this wisdom in this library, all they get is nonsense. And this, this whole idea, that's really how, the, how these AI systems are working now. They're just combination, random combinations of letters that it then unscrambles uh, to, to make it look like something that would have meaning. And it's amazing how meaningful it looks, 
but the end result is going to be nonsense. There's going to be an article proving every scientific idea and then 500 million other articles that disprove it, right? So all of a sudden, what do you do? You can't know anything. So the God that you built and promised you all knowledge ends up giving you nonsense, madness. Uh, it's a great book. You should read it. It's very short. Yeah, that's a parable. And what? So does it offer a a, a way out? Is there an alternative library that's the used bookstore across the street that has like a Bible and a copy of Shakespeare? And no, this is Latin American literature, so everyone just kills themselves. <laughs> it's, it's really dark. <laughs> but, wow! But wow. It, it does. That, it, what's the name? That's called the Library of the Babel. Library of Babel. Yeah. Uh, Luis Borges, he's an Argentinian writer. Uh, it's wow. It's got to be like 10 pages long. It's a very short story. Uh, so well, give, give, give us a couple of examples of this. Like you were mentioned chat GPT and mm-hmm. you and I both have goofed around with that a little bit. What it, What is it? Like how, how should we understand it as a phenomenon? And I suppose what are the blessings if there are? And what are the... Um, and what are the dangers there? I, you you hinted at it already, but maybe. Yeah. So so the way it works, and it's it's hard. No one actually understands how it works. Uh, that's the other interesting thing. Uh, this is maybe getting theological again, really quick. But um, the people who are building it don't understand how it works, and they'll say that, like they know how how they've built it, but they don't know why it's able to do what it can do, and. This was an interesting thing I was thinking about. God knows us perfectly. A creator understands his creation neuron by neuron, right? God knows every atom. He numbers every hair on our head. But we're making a God, and we can't begin to understand, even at this early stage of of this construction. We We don't understand it. The way that these models work is there's essentially um I guess the easiest way to describe it is a pattern recognition tool that takes the way they trained for the images, for example. It takes thousands and thousands of photographs, and then it blurs them until they're impossible to understand. And then it sets the computer the task of unblurring it, of trying to reconstruct the image. And because they have the original, uh, they're able to punish it if it is further away from the original and rewarded if it gets closer. And, and they kind of just set it loose doing this for billions and billions and billions of times. It takes a huge amount of computing power. And so it does this, and it starts to get kind of good at unblurring images that have been blurred. Well, then what you do is you hand it a, a set of random distorted pixels, just noise, and you say, unblur it. And it says, well, what am I looking at? You say, oh, you're looking at a Michelangelo painting of a cat surfing in California. And it knows what a Michelangelo painting looks like. It knows what a cat surfing should look like, right? Somehow it, it, it applies that pattern and it tries to turn that noise back into the photo that you told it you had originally. You just never had one. You, you lied to it. Um, and so it creates something new. And the language models work the same way. Uh, they give it gibberish text, like we talked about in the Library of Babel. And then that gibberish text is 
decompressed into what you say that it's supposed to be. So it's almost like autocomplete. You know how when you're typing in your phone and it always types something you don't want it to, <laughs> and you always turn it off? Uh, this is autocomplete, but on a way bigger scale. And so it, it isn't actually thinking. It's trying to guess what the most probable response is. So for example, if you had, a, if you had it as an assignment, a blank piece of paper, and the, the first part of the paper says, the, the first president of the United States is, you automatically know what the next line should be, even if it's blurry, because it's George Washington. Right? He's the, that's the facts. Well, this system does that, even though it has no actual concept of what a president is, what, who George Washington is, or anything. The crazy thing is you can ask it to, to give you a, a biography of George Washington, and it'll get it right. Uh, and it'll type it all up. You can have it do it in, like, you know, 1920s gangster style. And it'll, it, it can do it. Um, but it's not actually thinking. It's, it's just producing what it thinks is the most probable response. So there's deception built right into the foundation of it. Um, they're amazing, though. Uh, it's, it's an amazing technology. They, they work really well at translating uh, yeah. because they understand language uh, in this way. They don't actually understand language. Um, but they've seen every translation that's ever been done. They've read the whole Internet. Uh, so they've taken the data, you know, you and I were playing around with, with some Latin stuff. Um, you feed it in and it, and it unscrambles it. The problem is it could also make things up. Uh, so if you don't know what you're handling, you could have whole new sentences added to that lost Luther work <laughs> that was only in Latin. Uh, so that's, that's a danger right there right away. Well. I was go I was goofing around with it for this because you you mentioned that that you took a Latin text and you had it clean up the Latin from the OCR op mm -hmm. optimized character recognition or whatever optical character recognition and then you had it translated and so I, I was goofing around with the same thing I had it I just pulled the German of Luther's Small Catechism and I said translate it into English and it was just it was the yeah, Small so Catechism it's, it was it's practically yeah. instant. And and I was thinking how now like who has that translation of the catechism? I know that's a right. big legal question. Like, yeah. But I, so I've wanted to publish on the um, Luther uh, against the heavenly prophets, but the English translation that we have is in is locked up, and I so I can't do it. There's no public domain. So so how how hard would it be to just get the get a new translation and get someone to clean it up? It's kind of yeah. This is the it crazy seems like a thing. phenomenal tool, but but also it's you know the danger of what what do you see is the I mean there's a like the existential danger, but maybe let's work towards that. What are the what are the practical dangers of of the technology? So I think for the average Christian, the first thing that you need to be aware of is whether or not you use this stuff. You can you can swear off technology and go move into the woods. Uh, maybe you should. <laughs> um, Puerto Rico. You should right. choose yeah. Puerto come, Rico. Come here, please. Uh, <laughs> sometimes we don't have, t have electricity, so there is that. Um, even if you set yourself outside of it, this is going to affect everything. Uh, this is probably bigger than the Internet, and that's probably an understatement, not an overstatement. Um, people are just now figuring out how to use these tools together, and 
you'll see it taking jobs. You'll see it in all kinds of stuff. Um, the fact that truth isn't actually in any way a requirement of this technology, I think, is something really important that people understand. It, it, it's about finding something that looks plausible, not something that is real. And we've already been very used to this uh, advertising, right? It, when you when you turn on the TV and you see images of any commercial about anything, like you know that everybody knows that if you actually buy that hand soap, it's it's not going to transform your life, right? Uh, but you just kind of accept that that common lie, um, and and take it in stride. What what does this do to stuff like education as a major issue right off the bat? Um, I know teachers already, some of my friends are, are high school teachers, uh, and they're already dealing with this with this issue that right away, as soon as this came out, all the teenagers figured out, hey, wait a second, I can just type my essay question in here and get an essay. Uh, I've even seen some on the internet, people, the teachers will share, some kids are, are giving so little thought to their work that they're handwriting the, the answers, but the, they're right as a large language model, AI, whatever. They just copied it down. Uh, they just shut off their brains completely. Um, so you're going to have an educational crisis there. I think we're also going to have the the question maybe in five years. Uh, I go to the doctor and I think to myself, did he actually go past medical school? <laughs> right. How how much did he rely on this to to skip through his education and just get his credentials? Uh, so so that kind of stuff gets in whether you use the technology or not. Um, the whole question about media, right? Uh, it's kind of a weird thing when you, like I said, living on an island, we start to think about this more. But how do we actually know that these things around the world are happening? It's all media. It's always through the you know, through these same mediums that are very vulnerable. Um, I think another area there, so there have been kidnapping scams going on. So with this right. voice cloning, where because you can clone someone's voice, you know, you'll get a phone call and it'll be a kidnapper and they'll say, oh, I've got your kid, whatever. And then they'll use your child's voice that they got from, you know, you only need like five minutes of audio. If someone, if someone could take this. Please don't. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Uh, someone can take our video, this video right now, and, and make clones of our voices. Uh, we'll, we, we will have provided them with enough of that. Um, so all of a sudden, you're not going to be able to rely on what you, what you hear on the, on the phone. You can't verify necessarily. Uh, so all these mediated things, whether you use the technology or not, anything that goes through media is now going to be suspect. Um, the movies are going to look cooler, I think. <laughs> it's, it, it, it pushes us back, though. Like, I was thinking about this with teaching, is that, you know, teachers are going to have to have handwritten essays. But you can just copy the text. You know, it's going to go back to where the teacher has to sit in front of the student and ask questions. And yeah, the student's going to have to answer. And it's going to go back to the face and the voice th there in the same place. And, and there's going to be, like, they, there's that is going to that's going to be required now in so many ways, in so many ways that it hasn't been required in the past. 
Yeah, I, ironically, it might lead to an educational renaissance because a lot of education, I think, has become, did you memorize all the facts and can you repeat them back to us in the way that we want? You can't beat a computer at that. Uh, it's kind of like what happened with calculators and, and multiplication tables. Um, you know, I always remember when I was in school, you're not going to be carrying a calculator around with you everywhere you go. <laughs> well, well, yeah, okay. it's much more than that, too. Uh, and I, uh, I do think that there's this thing where knowledge is cumulative, but wisdom has to be reborn in every yes. generation. And so as we've just gotten better at accumulating and collecting knowledge and the Lord can set us back if he wants to, that's Babel. That's the destruction of all these libraries in the ancient world. The, the Lord kind of sets it back, or the, maybe the devil sets it back. But wisdom has to be reborn in every generation. So so it might have been before, like a college was there because you had a library. And right. you just had to have all the resources to have those expensive books in one spot. Now, that's not a thing. I mean, you can learn anything for free. Well, not anything, but you can learn almost anything for almost for free anywhere with your, with access to the internet. And that's going to, now it's, it's beyond that. So there's, so it is clarifying the difference between knowledge and wisdom for us, yeah. which I think is a helpful clarification. Yeah. And I, and I think that starts to filter down. So, so Luther always said, right, that he wished that we would burn all of his books. I, I really wanted in seminary, I was going to print a plaque of this where he said like, you know, I'm trying to remember the exact quote. It was in one of his prefaces, uh, that, that you shouldn't have any books, you should only have the Bible and, you know, destroy all libraries or something like that and put it at the library. Uh, but but as Luther himself was was getting at with that, of course, he had no problem with books. But uh, there is a there's a point where it's better to have a filtered amount of knowledge well understood, you know, a small, a small uh, body of work that you can be wise about and that can make you wise than it is to have an infinite sea of books. And this is the, the Borges uh, Library of, of Babel idea again. Once it becomes functionally infinite, it actually becomes useless. And at first, you're filled with joy that, wow, I, I can get any book that I want. And then you realize, I don't have any time to read any books because I this it's like it's like that the original uh, Monty Python sketch where spam comes from, where the term spam comes from, you know, after a while, it just fills everything. There's just spam everywhere. Every sentence is spam. Uh, and your, your email becomes useless because it's just junk. And I, I think we're seeing that AI is going to create a mountain of junk. And all of a sudden, we're going to have to get really good at sifting what is actually important uh, and what is true. You get the AI curating the AI and then, and that, so that's, that leads us back to this sort of epistemological crisis. So how do we know what we know? And it's all, there's always been this crisis, but it seems, it, it, this is, James is really accelerated through COVID. And I, yeah. and I think there's been yeah. a handful of reasons why, uh, the there's always been distrust of the political conversation. That's one of the marks of the political conversation. You just assume someone's lying to you, but there was a, a almost necessary implicit trust in the media. Right. That's been breaking down for a long time. And it's 
it's broken now. Yeah, this is going to so, destroy that forever. Yeah, and 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 now now we've it's it's this the AI just adds to that to the it just adds to this whole breakdown of that what is trustworthy who who like how I can't trust what I see I can't trust what I hear I can't trust what the news I can't trust the newspaper I can't trust the politicians what do I trust and and but I have to trust something we right. are trusting creatures we, we and we have to trust something about the things around us um else we're just on the cliff of despair so yeah so there's a crisis now in in what to trust yeah and i think that leads primarily to paralysis um oh. this is something i've noticed here in puerto rico uh talking about theology or religion with people people are always curious you know oh what is lutheranism uh they know about the ELCA in San Juan, but but a lot of people don't have any idea about a confessional Lutheran church. And what surprised me is the minute that I start to explain, most people seem to kind of freak out. Uh, and, and they'll do one of two things. They'll start to say, but we're saved, right? Like, you believe that we're saved. And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, you're if you're a Christian, if you believe in Jesus. Uh, so they, they start to do that. But then... The very next thing that they'll do is, you know, there's there's a couple of Puerto Rican phrases that they use a lot of times, but it essentially boils down to, well, the differences don't matter. The differences don't matter, and we're worshiping the same God. I don't want to know more. And it's not even like we're getting into this long discussion, and but but there's that sense of paralysis that I don't I don't know if I can handle the idea that there is actually a way to know what is true because it's easier in a lot of ways this sort of fatalism uh i was talking about you know with your book that maybe the extra category to add is fatalism uh, when we include latin america that maybe there's no way to know and you know maybe instead of just mysticism or emotions uh giving me my information maybe i just resign myself to the fact that I'm going to live in Alice in Wonderland's crazy town and deal with what is in front of me. Um, I think that's how a lot of people are handling this, which is not a healthy way to handle it, of course. Uh, but I think people are giving up on the idea of truth. So that's, that's Pontius Pilate, right? What is truth? It's sort of like, yeah, well, who can, who can really know? Who can say? Um, which maybe seems stoic at first. It seems like, well, I'm going to just face the fact that I can't prove anything. Uh, that's why flat earthers are coming back, all this stuff where it's like, well, fine. I'll just believe whatever I want. Um, but it drives you insane to do that. That's just, uh, so I was, I was thinking, in fact, today about this word from... Paul, where he talks about the Gentiles being his Ephesians without God in the world and without hope. Mm -hmm. So there's an inherent hopelessness to those who are apart from Christ. And it's so, so that the Christian can look at the world and say it's hopeless, but that dis, so that there, it's despair. The world is despair. Yeah. Uh, but this specific despair of, of knowing anything 
is is what's and, and how it, it, there's this is this the kind of weird thing with Gnosticism, right? Is it claims to be knowledge, but it's right. always the secret knowledge that you don't right. actually access through reason, and so that not so that Gnosticism is really the 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 prevalence of ignorance, of unknowing, of agnosticism. So that the, in this, in the same way that like this AI, which would be something like we're gonna we're gonna try to seek the truth or something, yeah. it ends up undoing truthfulness altogether. Right. That's the it's the great irony. It, it's something too I've I've noticed one of the unique distinctives uh, that the the very people who maybe don't want to have the conversation <laughs> miss out on, but one of the unique distinctives of the Lutheran Church and and I think one of the areas that we are being called on in this time uh, specifically to bring back to the world uh, of Christians is having a sacramental theology is not only um, it's not only about having something concrete that God gives his gifts to us in a concrete way that certainly is a is an important thing but I've started to realize the more I compare it with with the sort of spiritualist evangelicalism uh, or even even a, a sort of Catholic, uh, Roman Catholic um, philosophical understanding of things. August, August Vilmar has his famous book, Theology of Facts versus Theology of Rhetoric, right? Where he talks about this, this difference. The fact that we build our week around the physical delivery of the body and blood of Jesus with people who are physically there gathered together speaking God's word that is true and declaring it to be this is the word of the Lord this is something objectively true this is something you can rely on speaking peace into a world of chaos and confusion and to do it all in this good order it, we're almost perfectly set up as the Lutheran Church today uh, as an exact antidote to all of these things. Um, we're just afraid of that for some reason. We, we, we haven't realized it yet. I don't think we've caught on that we have the cure already. Uh, and it's the sacramental life of the church. It's, it's the church in the world being physical. Um, and... and even like a lot of reform, if there's any reform viewers, they're going to get mad right away. But uh, this sort of the spiritual communion, right? Where I'm, oh, I'm just communing spiritually. I'm, it's, it is, it's ChatGPT. It's, it's an internet uh, type of spirituality. It's, it's the text alone. Uh, and that's something that the Lord, in his wisdom, decided not to give us only the text. He gave us himself. He incarnated. How, how cool is that? That we didn't we didn't realize how how much we would need it. That's that that I think is one of the things that sh we should have learned in COVID when when the government either asked or demanded for us to not be face to face, to not breathe on each other. Yeah, and we realized that no, this is our the th the Lord gives us life by breathing on us. You know, mm -hmm. he he. That, that, that Adam becomes a living being when the Lord breathes and that the church is, is raised from the dead when breathe, Jesus breathes on his disciples and sends them out to forgive sins. And that there's a, 
there's a breath there. It's not the word is a breath it, it, that we can't not be together. But there was a way for every other church to not be together. I remember even the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. which which claims a sacramental realism, had their priests communing and the people were benefiting by intention when they watched it on the live stream. You know? Did you ever watch one of those? Yeah. They would always come on after our church. So I, I remember for a while I would say when we would record the services, I say, okay, you can click on this to go to another one of our services, or you can let the YouTube send you into some wild Catholic, some yeah. nonsense. And cause it would always come on after. And, uh, and that idea, so you like by intention, you participate in the sacrament. It's so Gnostic. Well, really surprised. So I watched one here uh, in Puerto Rico, and I was really surprised because it was not what I expected. I thought my understanding of this spiritual communion, the way that they talk about it, was going to be that somehow you would uh, be praying or something like that. But the, the, what actually it was, at least here in Puerto Rico, the words came up and it said, I acknowledge that the Roman Catholic Church is correct about the doctrine of the Lord's Supper and that the body and blood of Jesus are present, uh, are transformed or whatever, like just a statement, I assent to this doctrine. That was spiritual communion. It was just saying, yes, they are wow. communing. And it just really struck me that it, it was an intellectual thing. Right. It was an assent to truths, not a reception of gifts which uh, obviously we have this long history of a debate over this with, with all the other churches. Um, but I think it was a dimension of this that I hadn't realized really until recently where the rubber really starts to hit the road on this doctrine. Uh, where if, if it's a symbolic supper and a symbolic baptism, what do you do when all the symbols can be changed on a screen? at any time. And, and it's like, if you only have a digital Bible, well, why change the words, right? Uh, how different it is when it's grounded in something unchanging and unchangeable, uh, that Jesus Christ is the same today or yesterday, today, and forever. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just starting to think about this stuff because it's, it is our time to, to speak into the world this unique message of a concrete, uh, dependable confession of faith, uh, that Christ is risen in the body. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can touch him still. Um, the, there is nothing further from, from where we're headed as a society right now uh, than that. Ah, that's really fantastic. That's... Uh... That is, I'll see if I can see if I can restate it, and we can we can even push back a little too. That that the the Lord has in the sacraments has has instituted again a failsafe mm -hmm. for the epistemological crisis, which can either be of the mind or even of the conscience of the heart, and, and, which is His institutions of assurance. I belong to I belong to eternal life because I I tasted the body and blood of Christ and I heard the promise for, for the forgiveness of sins and the water was on my head I cannot the the reality of it the fact of it cannot be taken away 
And the Lord is always working facts. The devil is because he's because he's a liar from the beginning and he and because he murders right. through lies. Right. Is just reshaping all this different Gnostic stuff one way or another. But the sacraments are the antidote to it. The church is the antidote to it. Yeah. It's not artificial intelligence. It's and it's true, but it's not it's true wisdom. It's true wisdom. That yeah, that's the that's it. It's not we, we don't want to have not artificial intelligence, but like authentic intelligence. No, we want true wisdom. Authentic wisdom. And that's and that's the and that's the corollary that the Lord has established in the church. The word of the Lord endures forever. That's a perfect place to put it. Well, okay. So how, how are you feeling about things? Hopeful, nervous? What just like as you see the way that the technology is is exploding now? What Yeah, I I think this is a time that we are called to great wisdom and that's something to pray for because I this isn't something like that you should go out and vote about and then you can stop it. Um, it's a, it's a Pandora's box that has been opened and it was opened by Eve, right? Uh, we're, it's just kind of still spiraling out of, out of control in that way, but it's not out of control. Um, this is going to create new challenges for the church that are not as new as they're going to appear. And so I think it's an exciting time for the church when we return to our concrete, tangible roots, uh, when we have a theology of facts, not of rhetoric, when we, when, we, when we remember that we're building everything off of the fact of the resurrection. And this is something that I've, I've thought about a lot too. It's like, why do I believe the Bible? Is there something more fundamental than the Bible? And I guess as a Gentile anyway, it's the fact of the resurrection, right? It's Jesus validates the Old Testament for me. I don't have to think, well, who knows uh, if, if, if that's really reliable or not. It's, well, a man rose from the dead, claimed that he was God, proved it in every possible way, showed it to all these witnesses, they wrote it down, and I have that. Uh, it begins with the, with the fact of the resurrection and, and uh, you know, how Luke starts the, the nativity account with the, the, uh, the imperial year and everything, right? This is something that it happened in history. And you can't go back and change it. You can edit the text, but you can't take Jesus off the cross. And, and you can't seal that tomb back up. Uh, or at least not with him inside of it. Yeah. And I think this should be a very hopeful time because a lot of people are going to be looking for the truth. And it's almost like we're sitting on a giant reservoir of water and all of a sudden everyone's going to be thirsty. <laughs> what better time could there be for us? Um, but at the same time, there is... I think a a lot of suffering and a lot of confusion that is going to happen uh, to our neighbors. I think we got disconnected there, but you were talking about how it's it's a great time to be a Christian, a Lutheran in the church, but it is going to be a time of suffering for our neighbor too. So pick it up yeah. there. Yeah. So I think what we can expect to see is a lot of confusion. Uh, we're going to have to get good at figuring out 
how how we do epistemology. This is something I'm working on. I don't have a good answer yet. Um, but I think each each of us is going to need to figure out a process by which we, we start to filter all the information that we receive. We always should have done it, uh, but we, we got a little lazy. And uh, that's going to be a way to help our neighbors as well. Um, we're going to see massive changes everywhere and we'll be the one place that the change isn't happening. Uh, and we need to, we need to use that for the gospel, right? That's, that's why we're here in Puerto Rico. Uh, this place has seen a lot of change and upheaval and we want to be the calm in the storm. Uh, we are the calm in the storm. This is, this is the place that Jesus is. This is the place that peace is. And the resurrection is, and it's for you, and it's material. It's something you can taste and touch and share. Um, and it's what we need. And, and it is distinctive, and it is different, but it, it's at just the right time. And uh, if you're here in Puerto Rico and you're listening to this, reach out to us. Uh, if you're not and you're, you're looking for this, uh, reach out to your local Lutheran church, your local LCMS church, because we are embassies of the truth in a world of confusion and lies. And, and what a time to be uh, called to that, that opportunity, that, that task. It is something where people, I, I just noticed this, that people, as these things are broken down, the trust in politicians, trust in institutions, trust in, in news and all that we're going to say, that people have, they have, it's so much retreated to the internet, but that is not a safe place to retreat. No, yeah. And this call to retreat to the church, to the community of people gathered around the Lord's word, opening it and reading it and studying it together and, and caring for each other, coming to the table for the Lord's body and blood and his promises. That is the place of refuge for all of this. James, thanks. God be praised for the work you're doing. Uh, you, yeah. If you send me the links, I'll put them in the description of the video so people can learn more about the mission in Puerto Rico. Uh, your mission work as well can get in touch with you. And I hope that as you keep working on this, we'll be back here to talk about it some more. In fact, if people want to put um, comments and questions for uh, James, for us on this topic uh, in the video, that'd be great. And maybe we can come back in a, in a month or so and, and take up those questions too. That'd be a lot of fun as well. So thanks so much for your time, awesome. for your work. Yeah, thank you. May God bless and keep you. You too.